0: Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Millius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Ellen Goodwin. Ellen Goodwin is a productivity consultant, TEDx speaker, and author who uses neuroscience based principles to enable individuals and businesses to overcome all types of procrastination, be more po- focused, and manage their energy instead of their time to be more efficient and effective with their lives. Ellen believes that there is no one-size-fit-all solution when it comes to productivity, which is why she advocates for experimentation to find the tools and techniques that work seamlessly with your life and your business, no matter what you want to accomplish. She's the author of Done, How to Work When No One is Watching, and the co-host of the Faster, Easier, Better Show podcast. Let's dive into the pond and meet Ellen. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Ellen Goodwin. Ellen, thank you so much for being on the
1: show. Jen, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so glad too. And I would (laughs) love for you to start with. How did you get into writing?
1: Ah, that's a (laughs) really, really good question. Wow. Um, so here's a here's a little backstory. I didn't start writing very much until Oh, probably like 10 years ago. I was um, in my previous life before I was a productivity consultant. I was a graphic designer for over 20 years. And so I'm all visual, visual, visual. And um, when I started writing, just, you know, just writing articles and and writing just to write, I was so, so self-conscious and I couldn't figure out why. And it hit me one day. And and this is not bagging on my mother, but um, it is her fault. Um, no, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. so one day I was you know thinking about things, and I remember as a child, my sister would write stories all the time. And and one time my mom, like the two of us were there, and my mom said, you know, Leslie is the writer, and Ellen is the the, the illustrator. Ellen draws the pictures. And hearing that as a small child, like, Oh, so Leslie's the writer. I'm not. And that's apparently dug right in deeply. Oh. And, and it took me a while to like get past that and go, you know what? I can be the writer too. And so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, You know, in my business, in my work, there was just so many things that cover, that come into productivity that um, there wasn't a book that I could find that had all the stuff I wanted. Like if, if I wanted to be better at what I was doing, okay, well, I need to overcome procrastination and no one ever told me that there was several different kinds of procrastination and that there's all these different things that you can do. And what about building habits or being, or being more focused? And one of my big beliefs is that there is no one way to do any of that. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not a big fan of getting things done. uh, David Allen's book, because that is a system that you have to follow. Boom. That's his system. And I tried it once. Didn't work for me. And that's the thing. There's all sorts of solutions And you just have to experiment to find them. And so I wanted a book that like gave people permission to experiment and not only gave them permission, it gave them ideas that you you could do this or you could do this. And if those don't work, here's another idea. And there's nothing wrong with you if you have to play around with it. And so I wanted to get that all out in a book. Oh, my gosh. I so love all of that. If
0: you have touched on so many little nuggets. I want to just unpack a bit more. Okay. First one you mentioned that really just spoke to me was the permission. So one of the things you did for yourself was give yourself permission to say, I can do this too. So Mm -hmm. you overcame a form of imposter syndrome that I know so many writers face. And sometimes they face it in the sense of saying, who am I to write this book? Or who am I to talk about this thing? Or how are, how am I going to, do this, or what will people think after they've read this? So, how did you, if I, if I may, how did you oh, yeah. come through imposter syndrome?
1: Um, well, I experienced every single one of those things you said. <laughs> I mean, it, I was probably working on the book for six, eight months before I would even say the words out loud that I'm writing a book because, and I was expecting someone to say, well, you know, those very words, who are you to write a book? And here's the no one. No one says that. No, everyone goes, oh, really? Cool. Let me know when it's ready. And, and no one ever, ever said, no, you can't. It was all you know, up in my head that there was that voice saying, no, you can't. So um, it was just becoming braver. Each time I said it, that, um, oh, I'm writing a book. And, and yes, there was part of me that cringed every time. I, I'm like, yeah, I'm writing a book. And then I'm just like cringing, waiting for that, you know, that someone to say, yeah. And no one ever does because we're adults and we're not jerks. You know, you hopefully surround yourself with people that are, that lift you up and no one's going to say, well, you can't do that. And I think I think maybe we all think we're like in third grade, or some. You can't do that. Um, So it was very, very much getting used to saying like, "I'm writing a book," and and being okay with it. But I
0: but I love that. So you gave yourself permission to practice. You gave yourself permission to to try something on and say, "How does this feel?" and get more get brave with it. But you also said that there were variations of procrastination you ran into. And Mm -hmm. so what I'm also hearing from that is that you were brave to (laughs) face those things and overcome them, but also that you gave yourself permission to figure out how to deal with them and realize each one of those needed something different in order to address it in order to Mm -hmm. tackle it. So would you talk a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So, um, procrastination and, and this all like was a lot of what I worked with when I was a graphic designer. Um, there was a point where I almost lost my business because of procrastination. Um, and that's, that's basically where everything started, where I had to go, you know, what, what the heck's going on? This is stupid. Um, to myself, yes, I call myself stupid, uh, but that <laughs> that kicked it off where I started learning about procrastination and the different things that we deal with. And you know, we procrastinate for lots of reasons. Fear is like a big, big one that we we procrastinate because of fear of failure. But we also create uh, procrastinate because of fear of success. What if I get this right? What if I then? How does my life change? Yep. Um, we procrastinate because we don't know what comes next. You know, okay, I'm not going to get my book finished because I don't know how to publish it, how to market it. Uh, I don't know where to get a book cover. You know, so we don't, we do that. We do that. I'm not going to make a doctor's appointment because I'm afraid of what they'll find. So, you know, we're afraid of things and we procrastinate because of that. We procrastinate because the final product, the final goal is too far away. And that's a whole different kind of procrastination. You know, that, that is the one where, uh, you know, writing a book, every day you're writing and editing is another day that you are not done. And, and it is doing that process every day, you know, staying in that present day bias where you are doing the process every day. And even though it might be six months, a year away, you still keep doing it. And those, you know, those are two very distinct, different kinds of procrastination. And then there's a the procrastination we do because it's just a low value task and we don't want to do it. And, and, and we do that, you know, housework comes to mind. And, and then, you know, of course, there's all the people that have the cleanest house ever because they're procrastinating on editing chapter six. So. Um, I learned through through experience of, okay, this is what I'm procrastinating on. And I was, uh, as I was writing, big believer in this is this is the time where I write. This is the time when I edit. Um, I was big into learning my energy patterns so that I did all my writing and editing during morning hours. I wouldn't schedule any meetings, podcast recordings, anything during my morning creative time, you know, I can do that in the afternoon. So all of those things came in to, to affect while I was writing. And when you know your energy, it's easier to not procrastinate. And uh, there we were, I can see you've got questions. (laughs) You're like, Oh my gosh, that was a lot.
0: All of this. I mean, it's like a love language right now to me. So, (laughs) But I mean, so one of the things I'm hearing really is, to your point about the cleanest house ever, that person also could be cleaning because that fear is to your point, it could be too far away. It also could be that, oh, it's not that far. It, it's, it's right there. It's right there. Or the fear of success is happening. And it's like, okay, but how, how do I manage this energy? I can manage it by whatever that is. And yes, that was a task that might've needed to be done, but did it Mm -hmm. need to be done right then, which lends itself to your point about energy and managing that energy versus looking at it as just hours, if you will, hours Mm -hmm. in the sense of saying, I must do this from this time to this time and letting your, your calendar or your schedule dictate and drive you versus you shifting it and saying, what works best for me and what I'm trying to accomplish. And for my home or for my, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: my own ability. So would you talk a little bit about energy management?
1: Energy management. And I will, I will pop back just, you know, it's not to say that cleaning your house is a bad thing right? because sometimes, um, you know, now I will write and I'll get an outline and I'm thinking of something and I will go do something that might feel like procrastinating, but I'm also letting my brain churn. Yes. And, you know, there are parts of housework that are fantastic for that, or running errands, Mm -hmm. or taking a walk. So I'm not saying it's terrible because it is, can be a lovely percolation point. Mm -hmm. But if you're like folding laundry because you don't want to write chapter four, then yeah, it's use it strategically, basically. Exactly. Exactly. But so for energy, you know, it's wonderful if I say, I'm writing from nine to 11 every morning and, and that's my time. But if I'm a person that my best creative energy is actually from, you know, 1236 to 215, that's when you should be writing. There's again, experimentation to find it out. You know, most people have, uh, the majority of people are morning people, larks, you know, not to say everybody wants to get up at five 30, but they, they're more morning people. My podcast partner is a night owl and he, he doesn't really get going until one in the morning. And I'm, like, I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping, but I'm up at five, uh, five 30. Let's be honest, five 30. And, and he's, you know, that, he's like, going to bed at that point. But my energy pattern is, you know, I have a big high rise in the morning creative. There's a little slump after lunch, and then there's a little more creativity, four o'clock, five o'clock. And that is more or less the same pattern you're going to find for most early birds larks. Uh, Night owls have actually the same pattern, but it's reversed. They get up and it's kind of a dip and then they go back up. Um, But it's just finding who you are and what your energy is. And when you are feeling most creative and, you know, maybe as you're writing and you, maybe you're going to do your first draft and then come back and edit. Well, editing is a different process. And so maybe you are better at editing in the afternoon and you switch, but it's all just finding your personal energy and one of the easiest ways you can do that is just take a few days and track your energy. And that's all you do is you set a timer on your phone for every 30 minutes, and, like when you're awake and take a note card and for your time. So it'd be six, 6.30, seven, 7.30. And just note when your alarm goes off, what your energy is. Is it a 10? Are you like, woo-hoo, dance party time? Is it a zero, which is oof, nap time? And do that for three days and then look at your index cards and circle where you have like eight nines and tens cuz they'll be together and where you have three twos and ones and you can easily see your good and bad times and then start scheduling with those in mind
0: i love that so much and i love that you talk about how writing and editing they might look like they're leveraging the same skill set and and they are in some ways but yet they're requiring something different so to your point about a, a writer who is maybe they've gone through the first draft, or maybe they want to write a little bit and then come back and look at it just to make sure that they feel good about it. And then write again, like write so much and then come back and write. So again, Mm -hmm. so how would you suggest that they, for instance, like the first creative window is the writing and the second creative window is an editing kind of concept or what I'd love for you to expound a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, I can only speak to myself when sure. it comes to, to my writing process, but mine was always is, was when I was doing the book, you know, I would write um, and I would just get just get it all out. Yep. And I'm a big believer in the crappy first draft. Me too. Thank you, Anne, Mal- <laughs> Anne Lamott. Um, And I would just know that once I had that out, then I had a structure that I could hang all the the changes. And, and I often thought I should just like keep that first draft and compare it to the final one. Um, so I could see how much it changed, <laughs> but I would always print it out. And then after I like edited, I would print again on the other side. So paper got thrown away. Um but it it it's for me it's so different because yes there's a different process there's a different there's a different body feel for me you know it's like okay this is coming out and I'm thinking and and it's I'm creating from nowhere you know I remember uh I did write stories as a, as a child every once in a while you know, we'd play on the typewriter and I always thought it was amazing how a letter would show up that uh one second ago, it hadn't been there. And that's kind of how I feel when, when I'm writing, all of a sudden, here's a thought, here's a process, here's a, here's a thing that never was there before. And so it's a different feeling than sitting down with a printout and a, and a blue pen and, and going, okay, does this, does this make sense grammatically? Does it it convey what I'm thinking? And so it's a whole different it's a whole different headspace. You're you're basically in a different room in your brain. You know, you're not in the output. You're in the changing. You know, judge. I mean, I've got my judge's hat on, not my writer's hat.
0: I love that. I love that you how you just explained that because to me, going back to permission and going back to being brave, it does take courage to look at that blinking that that blinking cursor on a blank screen <laughs> or. It's just a blank sheet of paper and your pen or pencil and saying, what am I going to write? And just giving yourself permission, to just allow it to flow. Don't worry about what, how perfect it is and actually be okay with it, not just let it go. But that does leverage a different form of creativity. Mm-hmm. And then when you're going back through, it is easier to work with something because something is now on that page versus nothing that was there before. And even if it means you say, I need to rewrite this, you still have something that you were working off of. And it gives you a different starting point than when you said, I'm going to write this book and I'm on page one and I'm looking at that blank sheet (laughs) of paper. (laughs) So it's it's a different way to think about it
1: too. Most definitely. And, and two things that I learned and I have no idea where I learned them. But if I'm writing on, and I, I do a lot of longhand writing on, on you know, yellow pads of paper, and there is something fantastic about that blank page, but it's also, you know, terrible. I'll just scribble on the corner. I'll just take my pen and make, make a little mess. So now it's all messy and now I can go. And when I would write because I'd have the idea of what I'm writing, but like the same thing, the blinking cursor, I would just start out with good morning. I'm Ellen Goodwin. And today we're going to talk about, and then when I was done that part, I would just like take it off, but I'd already, okay, there it is. I'm going to talk about this. And there we go.
0: I love that. That's such a great, a really great way to, to lead into writing something. If you feel like, well, how do I get started? Well, what would you talk about here? And yeah. leading leading that way feels more like you're just allowing your thoughts to flow uh, versus saying, oh, well, I have to package this a certain way, or, oh, I have to make sure this is organized just you know appropriately from the get-go. No, right. you don't. Your writing process is for you to the first draft is for you. It is not for yep. anyone else. It's for you to just get comfortable with that story, that narrative, that message that you want to convey, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you it's between you and that, that book really saying, mm-hmm. what, what do we want to talk about here?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it just, you know, and it always kind of made me laugh when I was like, good morning. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk about this. You <laughs> know. and i have to say i stole that from drunk history if you've ever watched drunk history they always like start with like hi i'm john doe and today we're going to talk about the 1812 revolution (laughs) (laughs) and i just and it always made me laugh when they did that and so and i just stole it yeah i'm ellen goodwin and today we're going to talk about procrastination (laughs) then away i'd go but
0: i i love that and you know like you're describing with breaks and stuff so Whether I'm writing or editing, what I will do, to your point, if I'm writing, I will doodle, like you described. Mm -hmm. I, I actually have a few stick men that I tend to draw and they're pitiful. They are, they are not for true illustration purposes. And quite honestly, my birds, dogs, cats and squirrels kind of, and pe- my birds are more like penguins. And so everybody kind of looks very similar. It's just how long the appendages are. It's really, pinnacle. everyone
1: loves a penguin,
0: but you know, my cats and dogs kind of look about the same, but it doesn't <laughs> matter because all they, what they do is kind of get the juices flowing. Sometimes or I'll doodle something. Yes. Out. And, but then when I'm editing, there are times when I am, and as a developmental editor and I'm reading someone else's work, oh, there are yeah. times when I'm Reading and something I, I need some extra help and I'll pull out my Sudoku's and I'll work a Sudoku and then I'll come back yet and I might be working like you know work on another oh I found another number great okay over here and it's almost kind of like the brain is working like both sides of the brain is, are actively engaged to solve what I see on the screen. Despite the fact that the Sudoku is one, not on the screen and two, technically not part of the problem, (laughs) not part of what I really, am not the project, but it helps me to keep the juices flowing. So listening to what you're describing is so much fun.
1: Well, exactly. And, and sometimes, you know, that's, that is a great way to, to get started writing is. Play some sort of word game, you know. Mm-hmm. Boggles a lovely one. There's a couple couple word ones I have on my phone that you know just just finding words, getting in again, getting into that room in your brain where it's about the writing, it's about words.
0: Yes, and I do that too. Like I have a few word games on my phone that I yeah. play for that very reason. I have a crossword puzzle one and like exactly. one where you take you're taking a word or like all the letters and you're putting how many words can you put together from them? And I would do that actually, when I was back in corporate and I needed to draw some creativity, I would find some really some word out of nowhere. I don't know. Maybe it was a a memo that came out, but I saw a word and I was like, how many words can I get out of this? And then I would (laughs) go back to whatever it was because to your point, it, it, got more creativity going so most you know, definitely but what's interesting is that all of these things don't seem so connected to writing or getting your own story out but yet they are all connected
1: but there they are
0: exactly and so that all of these pieces are in done
1: <laughs> <laughs> they are in done
0: <laughs> so yeah you talk a bit more about your book
1: okay well um we we talked about you know, it covers a lot of things when it it comes to working while no one's watching, and again, everything I talk about I did when I ran my own graphics firm where I worked when no one was watching, and it, it's my husband always would say, you know i don't understand how you can work at home and and get things done and i'm like you know, it's not hard. I've been doing it for over 25 years. He got a chance to do that in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it was fantastic because he was right that he could not really work when no one was watching or when he was, you know, in this sort of environment, because he would have to clean the kitchen before he would start work. And then at the end of the day, he would vacuum. So it was fantastic because, he did all this housework but you know for me i figured out how to ignore the distractions how to you know be ahead of the procrastination how to focus and focus is one of my favorite favorite things i preach the gospel of focus because i think it's magic what you can get done if you set a timer if you write down what it is you want to accomplish during that timed period and and just ignore everything and get things done. So um, the book covers, you know, dealing with procrastination. It, it talks about accountability, which is one of my favorite ways for people to get things done. Habits, you know, the importance of habits, especially when it comes to maintaining personal energy. You know, we talked about using your energy, like when your best times for writing, but also it's saving your energy. That's what habits really are the best for is they, they allow you to do the maximum amount of things with a minimal effort. Once you put a habit into place, you don't think about it. You just do it. I mean, if we had to think about everything in the morning to get done with, you know, get out the door you'd never leave the house because you've used up all this energy. But you know, you brush your teeth, you don't think about it. You make tea, you make coffee. You might read the newspaper, you you make breakfast. You don't think about that. So, the book covers habits and and it, it covers goal setting. You know, one of the things um, I think we've totally been misled when it comes to goal setting. And you know, writing a book is a huge goal. And we're all taught like we should do a SMART goal. Which is the acronym for specific uh
0: measurable. Measurable.
1: I can think of the M. Um, then A is um uh, I'm just poorly
0: Isn't it actionable?
1: It, no, it should be actionable. And some they're actionable, but it's also
0: um I'm drawing a blank too. I am
1: too. And and then um uh, realistic the R. is R. realistic business. and yeah. then and time-based. And yeah. I think I think um you know the realistic is is terrible because if every goal was realistic i mean we would have no olympic champions we would have no people that had gone to the moon you know is it realistic is it realistic for me to write a book heck no but i did it because i had a response plan see that so i just think that the smart goals should have an action plan and a response plan and the action plan like you said, actionable. You know, have an action plan, and my book covers that. There's several different action plans you can use, and you don't have to stick to them. You can experiment, uh, but yeah, you know, different sort of things. You know, like working out towards, let's say, you want to lose weight. That action plan is going to be a repetition kind of thing, running a marathon. So I'm going to run every day, but. Uh, other goals have milestones where you, you accomplish this, then you accomplish this then you accomplish it, you know, writing first draft, second draft, you know, goes to edits. Maybe, maybe you keep drafting. I don't know, but, um, having, having that sort of thing. So action plans. So any sort of goal, you have to have an action plan and then you have to have a response plan because guess what? With every goal, I don't care what it is. Something goes wrong. Something goes (laughs) terribly wrong. Uh, Something goes wrong, and and that can stop you. You know those. You know because it becomes this obstacle. It becomes a brick wall. But if you have a response plan, that brick wall has a door that you can go through. Because you go, ah, I thought this might happen, so I have an if-then plan. If you know this happens, then I respond this way. If I'm stuck on chapter six. Then I go to chapter eight and edit for an hour. And then that brick wall goes away. So uh, those are all things that are covered in my book. It's There's a lot. There's a lot in there. But I'm glad because, you know, what you're showing
0: is that to me, you're describing how to manage work, how to enable the creativity, because to your point you're a graphic designer by trade initially and now writing and and consulting on productivity but with writing and illustrating and graphic design and so many other pieces these are all creative arts that you want to allow a form of flow to come through that you want to be in that space of allowing and and creating but you also want to be showing a form of discipline of showing up even, and even if discipline means I'm writing once a week for an hour versus saying I'm writing every single day, I, everyone's going to have something a little different for them. But I believe that, you know, you're going to, when it's important to you, you find a way and you, and you find a way to navigate through those challenges that you have. So to your point, I love that where chapter six is, is just not happening right now? Yeah. Can I work on another scene? Can I work on a different angle? Can I take a different point of view? Do I need to go edit a whole nother chapter or let me go run this errand and let some of this marinate and then come back and try again, because maybe that's the way to do that strategic break so that it does say I'm too close right now. I need to take a step back and then I can come back, re-engage and I'm, give me another 30 minutes, set my timer and say, now, can what can I do about it?
1: Yes. And I love, I love, you know, I love the break part and like the, the understanding that you're too close because that's hard one. And it's always that's one for me that's always in the rear view mirror. Like, uh, you know, I'll go and run an errand and while I'm doing it, it'll hit me where I would have sat at my desk for an hour clawing at that answer. And then I get in the car and I've gone two blocks and I'm like, "Fuck. Ah! I've got it. But it is like knowing <laughs> I'm too close. And I wish there was like a little sign that pops up in our head that says, too close, too close. You know, like when you're backing up your car and you've got the rear, it's like too close. You need that. I I need that. I I love that though. And to your
0: point, when we're out and about, like uh, and something like that does hit me, I'll either email it to myself, use the phone, the notes app, and voice it to myself so I capture it. And then it also feels like, oh excellent. And I can easily go get what I need to get done because that even now feels a bit more productive. So I can come back and I can re-engage and I have like a new level of enthusiasm or a new level of engagement or energy into it because I did honor what I needed in that space. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Ellen, this has been awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I've had such a great time. Thank you so much. Where can people connect with you and where can they get your books?
1: Well, you can find my book on Amazon. There's both paperback and ebook. You can connect with me. Um, I'm at Ellen at EllenGoodwin.com. I answer all my own emails. Uh, my website is EllenGoodwin.com. E, I'm on Instagram, the book, the done underscore the underscore book. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Facebook, uh, I'm sure I'm somewhere else floating around (laughs) Twitter. Yeah. Ellen Goodwin out there. And don't you have a podcast too? I do have a podcast. I share a podcast. I'm a co-host of a podcast called the Faster, Easier, Better Show. And uh, it's all about productivity and efficiency. Our episodes are eight minutes or less. So you can listen to them, get an idea of what you need to do. Go out and do it. And they're all about experimenting ideas that you can use right away.
0: Love it. Thank you so much, Ellen.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jen. Thanks for listening today.
0: I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilias.com forward slash tough fish.